Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. So Southside Church online and Southside Church in person, all together. There's three things that come to mind. Number one, I'm amazed. I'm amazed that this can be done. Like, I grew up playing Asteroids for Atari. And I asked Nathan like 30 seconds ago if he could get me a graphic of what that looked like. Do you have that for me, Nathan, or no? No, no, maybe? No graphic, no, no Atari Asteroids? Well, you gotta trust me, it was pretty low tech, okay? Just take my, take my word for it, all right? Um, so I'm amazed that that can actually happen. Number two, I'm a little bit disturbed because I can't get the thing out of my mind about Dave saying some people are watching this in the bathroom. That disturbs me a little bit, but thirdly and mostly, I'm just really, really grateful. I'm grateful that wherever you are, whether you're here or wherever, that we can actually be together today. So we're having a moment. We're having a moment as individuals and as a culture. We're having a moment. And and, and while it might be tempting to say, well, that moment is 15 months of COVID that's slowly, slowly coming to an end, I would suggest to you that the moment that we're having actually is just beginning. The moment that we're experiencing right now in June of 2021 is a moment in which we all look back and go, what was that? What did I lose? What did I miss? What am I mourning? What am I grieving? What just happened? And I want to suggest further to you that this church, Southside Church, you know, basically, we're just fully, completely operational in this facility over the last month. That technologically speaking, to really have the ability to to cast live online is just completed this week. In other words, what I'm saying is that we were made for this moment. And so there's three things I want to ask you in light of the fact that we were made for this moment. Number one, please stay informed. We live in a culture where there's more information than ever. Much of it, honestly, somewhat useless. I want to suggest to you that in this season, we need to stay informed about what's going on in the church. Romans 12 verse 2 says this. Don't be conformed any longer into the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed into the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's a big deal. What I would suggest to you is that in today's world, if we just kind of drift, if we kind of just let life happen to us, if we kind of just take in whatever comes our way, we will be conformed into the pattern of this world. What is the pattern of this world? Well, if you look around, you would notice exactly what I've noticed. The pattern of this world today in June of 2021 is tribalism, cynicism, pessimism, and anger. That's the pattern of this world. But we need to get intentional. We need to stay informed. We we need to be intentional about restoring our soul, about refreshing our soul, about feeding our soul. And then we can have a renewed mind. If I had to summarize what it is to have a renewed mind, it would be this, let hope rise. Despite the tribalism, the cynicism, the pessimism, and the anger, let hope rise above and beyond it all. Let hope rise. We need to stay informed about what's going on with our church. But not just our church that gathers here or online right now, but how about Southside Kids? Stay informed about what's happening at Southside Kids. You know, I sat down with a couple of our Southside Kids leaders this week and 
I asked him, what was it like last week to meet for the very first time in this new facility? He said it was absolutely unbelievable. And I said, could you give me some highlights? And then I shut them up after about an hour and a half because they wouldn't stop talking about all the highlights, all the little individual moments. But one of the things that really stuck with me was they said this, do you know that we've only been running for one week and we already have 60, six zero volunteers, 60 volunteers willing to pour themselves into our, our, our boys and our girls, our children. That's amazing. I said, well, how many do you need by September when we're up and running full scale? They said 120. I said, you're halfway there after week one. That's unbelievable. And, and I know sometimes it's tempting if you're sitting here or if you're in your bathroom watching this online, wherever you are, it's tempting to think what happens with our kids online, what happens with our kids on person, in person is just kind of like that's babysitting so we can get the real church done here. That's not true. It's really not true. There's something odd about this world at times that little things seem really big and sometimes really big things seem real little. You realize right now, Southside Kids Online, Southside Kids in person, lives are being changed. Destinies are being altered. Families are being diverted completely from the harmful patterns of their past right now. It's a big deal, so stay informed. Stay informed about Southside Youth. Southside Youth is meeting every week right now. I know Leah just shared like eight kids committed their lives to Jesus last week. Isn't that unbelievable? That's absolutely incredible to me. I wanna tell you something about your teenager or I wanna tell you something about you, teenager. The one factor, according to studies, that will determine whether you walk with Christ whether you connect to your church and live a life of faith and purpose will be this one thing. Will you make a connection, a relational connection with an adult who loves Jesus that is not your parent in your church? You understand, right? That's what's happening every week at Southside Youth. I asked Lucas this week how many volunteers you have. He said 30. I said, how many do you need to really run full scale? He said 45. Man, we're two-thirds of the way there. Isn't that incredible? Lives are being altered. Destinies are being shaped. Families are being diverted from harmful patterns of their past every single week at Southside Youth. Stay informed. Number two, stay locked in. Stay locked in. Don't conform. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. All right, so we have a, a, a world pattern that says pessimism, cynicism, tribalism, and anger. There's a better way. And we need to stay locked in because it's our opportunity, it's our blessing, it's our privilege to introduce the world to a better way. Let hope rise. So keep praying for your church, online and in person. If I could be so bold, keep giving. Keep serving after the service today. If you're, if you're here and you're not serving right now and you wanna hang out, hang out after. I promised last week that Dave Poole would do an interpretive dance after and no one stayed. So maybe I won't say that this week because no one wanted to see that. No, a lot of people stayed. I'm kidding. But he didn't do the dance. So you might want to talk to him about that. But we need to stay locked in. Let's hope rise. Let's have a renewed mind. And finally, thirdly, stay close. I've said it before and I'm going to keep saying this over and over again. I can't give you what I don't have. 
It's easy to stand here and say, we need to say to the world, let hope rise, but we need hope to rise in us first. Does that make sense? And I can't do that in my own strength. I need God's strength, I need God's hope, I need God's purpose, I need God's peace, I need God's love in order to look at the world and say, hope is rising within me, now let's let hope rise in our world. James 4 verse 8 says it this way, if we draw near to God, God will draw near to us. So stay informed, stay locked in, stay close. And that's what we're doing this series on the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments is God's invitation to draw near to Him, to stay Close. It's not an arbitrary list of things that we shouldn't do wrong, because if it was, then that would make God a taskmaster who's sitting on the edge of his seat looking to catch you doing something wrong, but that's not who God is. God is a loving Heavenly Father who wants to invite you into something right, a life abundant, a life fulfilled, a life blessed. Let's hope rise. And so today we are on the sixth commandment. And what I decided to do, I wasn't sure whether I would, but I decided I was going to read you the whole thing. It's Exodus 20, verse 13. So if you're taking notes, you might want to get your pen and your paper ready. If you're taking notes on your phone, you can do that. But we're going to go through the whole thing. Exodus 20, 13. The sixth commandment, we're going to go through all of it. So listen carefully. Here it is. Are you ready? No murder. I memorized it. I didn't even have to check my iPad, Mike. It's amazing, right? No murder. In other words, in case you needed, in other words, don't kill anyone this afternoon. Thank you. Okay, so that was a sermon. I love you. It's not exactly that simple, however. Because Jesus later on in the New Testament extrapolates a little bit further on the sixth commandment. He says this in Matthew chapter five. You're familiar with the command to the ancients, do not murder. I'm telling you that anyone who is so much as angry with a brother or sister is guilty of murder. Carelessly call a brother idiot, and you just might find yourself hauled into court. Thoughtlessly yell stupid at a sister, and you're on the brink of hellfire. The simple moral fact is that words kill. Your anger matters, according to Jesus. Your anger matters matters. Sometimes it shocks me at how timeless God's word is because I'm standing here preaching about the sixth commandment to you in the midst of the angriest culture in human history. I heard someone say the other day, in North America right now we have two modes, asleep and angry. Your anger matters. Your anger matters. I want you to do me a favor for a second. I know it's COVID so you can be careful. Okay, but I want you to glance to your left and to your right. You did right first, I said left and then right. Oh, forget it. I wanna tell you a secret about those people that you just looked at, they're angry. They're angry, and so are you. If the definition of angry is that they deal with anger every single day, they're angry, and so are you. And the person in front of you, and the person behind you, uh, they have a temper. They have a temper, and so do you. So here's the truth about you. You have, anger <laughs> you have anger issues. Actually, that's not completely correct. You have anger issue. Here is the one issue about anger in your life that you need to solve. 
Anger will either be for you, and this is so important, whether you think you have a temper or whether you don't. This is so important. Anger will either be for you a tyrant or a tool. If anger is a tyrant for you, anger will control you. And if anger controls you, you need to know right up front just what Jesus said is true. Anger is a killer. Anger is a destroyer. If anger becomes a tyrant in your life and if anger controls you, anger is a killer and anger, anger is a destroyer. But anger can also be a tool. And if anger is a tool, it will actually let hope rise in and through your life. You don't have anger issues, but you do have an anger issue that you need to sort out. Is anger gonna be a tyrant in your life or is it gonna be a tool? See, if anger is a tyrant, it's gonna manifest itself in about three ways in your life. First, if anger is a tyrant in your life, it may, it, it, it may manifest itself overtly. Overtly, it's obvious, right? No one ever says to themselves, I wonder if Fred is angry. They know you're angry. They can tell because you're screaming and you're yelling and you're shouting and you're hitting people or you're putting your fist through a wall. It's obvious it's overt, you're, you're, it's overt. It, it's what people would call you a snap show or a loose cannon. It's overt. So, so, so anger has taken the tyrant seat in your life, it's controlling you, and it's overtly obvious. Proverbs 25 says this, if you can't control your anger, you are as helpless as a city without walls open to attack. Anger is a killer. Anger is a destroyer. For those of you who deal with overt anger, I don't have to convince you, do I? One moment of anger, and you destroy a relationship that it took decades to build. One moment of anger, and you kill a dream that it took years to build. I had a friend a few years back he was uh, highly educated in a very, very specific field. So specific, in fact, that there weren't a lot of jobs in his field. And when a job in his field with his level of education came up, it was highly coveted and in, 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 really, really well compensated. Okay, so he worked for years and years, kind of he was overeducated for the job that he was in, but then one day, he found out that there was a job exactly for what he was trained for, and the job was down in Palm Springs, California. So he reached out right away. They flew him down for an interview. And they loved him, and he loved them. And the next week, they flew his whole family down for another interview. And again, it went so well. They began to talk compensation. And honestly, it would not be exaggerating to say that the compensation that he was going to receive in this job in Palm Springs was going to be exponentially more than he had ever made in his life. They flew him individually down one more time to discuss details. They began the immigration process. They said it would be no problem because the, the field that he was walking into was so unique and so specialized. He came back up waited for the call, the call came. He got it. The compensation was secured. As a family, they began to go online to look at houses. They said, his kids said, Dad, do you think we're gonna get a house with a pool? He said, absolutely a pool. 
Then his youngest said, well, do you think we could have a slide in this pool? He knew how much he was gonna be making. He said, you better believe we're gonna have a slide on that pool. One of his other kids said, I've always thought it'd be amazing to have palm trees around the pool. He said, you better believe we're gonna get a house with a pool and a slide and palm trees around the pool down in Palm Springs, California. In fact, he decided to drive down. He was gonna kind of set up shop, find that dream house for his family, okay, get things settled, and then fly the family down. So he drove down, he crossed the border at Sumas, Washington. Did I mention this guy was a little bit of a snap show? Because the guy at the border, the border guard, the American border guard, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but sometimes they can be a little bit rude. This guy didn't like when people were rude to him. So at one point he looks at the border guard, he says, man, you're really tough hiding behind that badge. I bet you wouldn't be so tough if you took off that badge and we deal with this man to man. Hey, can I tell you something about the border guard? He didn't take his badge off. But what he did do is handcuff my buddy to a bench in the American Customs Office. And he was barred from entering the United States for 10 years. End of dream, end of pool, end of slide, end of palm trees. One moment of anger. See, when anger becomes a tyrant in your life, it's a killer, it's a destroyer. And the sad thing is, as life marches on, the person who suffers the most, the person who is destroyed the most by your anger is who? You. You. See, we don't have anger issues. We all have an anger issue. Is anger going to be a tyrant in your life, or is anger going to be a tool? If anger is a tyrant, it will control you. It is a killer and a destroyer. It will play out overtly, but it will also play out covertly covertly. Some people don't like punching holes in walls. Some people don't like screaming and shouting, but they still have a problem with their anger. Anger is still controlling them. You see this a lot in the church, by the way. I don't know if you noticed, but in in, in church culture, it's not really smiled upon to punch holes in walls, but you still got a lot of people walking in the church that haven't dealt with their anger. Anger is still a tyrant in their lives, so they learn how to handle their anger. They learn how to make people pay covertly. I mean, one obvious example is road rage because everyone who's driving down the road, I have no idea why they think they're invisible behind the wheel, but they're not. But, but there's three examples I want to talk today about covert anger, secret agent anger. I'm really angry and I want to hurt you, but I want to have like plausible deniability, you know? It's like sarcasm, slander, and silence. Sarcasm, well, that's really easy. I'm angry at you and I want you to pay, but I just don't, I don't want to deal with it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start making jokes. Always mean-spirited, always looking to make you pay, but always with some plausible deniability. I got to tell you, like, as someone who's been in leadership for years and years of my life, I, I've, I've dealt with a lot of people angry at me. I find this one the most difficult. In some ways, I would rather someone just walk up to me and punch me in the head. Not right now, but at some point, because then I can look at them and go, oh, you seem to be angry. Let's deal with this. Sarcasm is a tough one. I've seen it. I remember years ago, I was 17, 18 years old. Uh, in between uh, years of college, in the summer, I worked for the Alberta government. 
on a ground crew at a massive government facility. And so they would hire two or three of us college students to help out. But we would join a crew of a bunch of full-time guys that worked there year-round. Does that make sense? Okay, and so on the second summer I worked there, the full-time guys were really, really upset at their boss. And it had something to do with overtime and the way that he calculated overtime or gave them overtime. But here's the thing. Their boss made a decision, and he didn't ask them about it, and they were really, really angry about that decision. And so for the first week that I was there, every time the boss would walk into the lunchroom, you know what they would do? They would all stand up and do this. What do they mean? You're a dictator. You're a military leader. You don't care about us. You just tell us what to do. But you see the plausible deniability? Because what if the boss was walking through one day and he said, whoa, 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 what are you guys doing? What's your problem? What would they have said? We're just having a good time, man. Just trying to lighten the mood. Don't know what his problem is. Sarcasm. I want to make you pay, but I want a little bit of plausible deniability. The second is slander. I don't want to deal with you face to face, but I do want to hurt you. So I'm going to do one of the most destructive things that anyone could do. I'm going to talk about you behind your back. I'm going to go after your reputation. Slander. And the third one is silence. The silent treatment. Has anyone ever given you the silent treatment? It's weird, isn't it? It's like, hey, Fred, are, are you okay? I'm fine. <clears throat> uh, yeah, Fred, but you seem a little angry to me. What? I'm fine. <clears throat> this is like an illustration. I'm kind of acting. <laughs> Thank you so much, man. Thank you. You have that spot reserved in the front row. Okay. Um, it, it, it's just for, like you haven't talked to me in six weeks, and we're like roommates, you know? Brad, are you angry? Hmm? The silent treatment. So weird. So eerie. See, see, I, I, I want to make you pay, but I, just, I, I, I don't want to have that direct confrontation. But you're going to pay. You're going to pay. And there's something weird about putting, when, when, when anger finds its way to the tyrant seat of your life, it becomes self-perpetuating. I want to see if I can explain this. Have you ever done something just dumb when you were angry? Yes, you have, okay? We all have. And then you know that it was dumb. Like, you're just like, I just put my hand through a wall. That's really embarrassing. But now i got one or two choices. Think about this. I have one or two choices. I can say, oh, wow, I just put my hand through a wall. That was stupid. Or what? I have to stay angry. Because I, 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 I have to justify, this must have been a really big deal because I just put my hand through a wall. And anger perpetuates and perpetuates and perpetuates. And, that, and that's why the silent treatment, like at some point Fred should go, you know what, I'm an idiot. I don't know why I haven't talked to you in six weeks. But it perpetuates itself. 
See, when anger elevates itself to the tyrant seat in your life and it controls you, it's a killer and a destroyer. It plays out overtly, it plays out covertly, and finally, it plays out inwardly. This is the one many of you are dealing with today. So for me, I can say as a young man, I dealt with overt anger. You didn't have to wonder whether I was angry or not. I never really got the covert thing. I tried a couple times, but it's hard for me to stay silent for any length of time, so I didn't really master the covert one. But, but this, is, this, this is the one, the inward-facing anger that I've been dealing with almost my entire adult life. And I would suggest to you in June of 2021, so are you. So you don't lash out, you lash in. You don't condemn others, you condemn yourself. You don't beat other people up, you beat yourself up. It's actually quite shocking to the degree that it plays out. This is, this is examples like you see someone who's being abused over the long term, and instead of blaming the abuser and doing something about it, what do they do? They blame themselves. And I want to stop and I want to call a time moment. And I want to let you know the fact that you are watching us online right now, or whether you're here in person right now, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you that you've decided not to conform to the pattern of this world, but to make a conscious decision to renew your mind, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I am so proud of you. But one of your big issues right now is that inward-focused anger. Maybe you got to the point in your life where you realized you would hurt some people, but you still couldn't dislodge anger from its tyrant seat, so what you did, instead of hurting other people, you've been hurting yourself. It's the number one cause of depression, by the way. Inward-facing anger, it's an issue. Nobody else might know, but anger is still sitting on the tyrant seat of your life, and it's still killing, and it's still destroying. So what I want to suggest to you is that you don't have anger issues. You have one anger issue. Is anger going to be a tyrant in your life or is it going to be a tool? And I believe that today, honestly, today, online or in person, today we can turn the corner. We can turn the corner. We can stop beating others up. We can stop beating ourselves up today. Anger can become a tool that would let hope rise in our life today. There's three things, three things that we can do today to turn the corner. Three questions. Why, what, how? Why, what, how? Number one, why am I angry? Why are you angry? Why are you angry at them? Why are you angry at you? Why are you angry? Because we're all angry. The Bible says there's nothing wrong with being angry, by the way. Jesus was angry. If you read through the gospel, you see that Jesus was angry at religious people that came along and put stumbling blocks between people and God. That made Jesus angry. One of the shortest verses in the Bible is the gospel of John, chapter 11, verse 35. It says this, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. It's such an incredible two-word verse. 
See, Jesus walked into this town called Bethany, and he had a friend named Lazarus who had been dead for four days. And Jesus walked over to Lazarus's tomb and he was gonna raise Lazarus. He did raise Lazarus from death to life in that moment. But before Jesus raised Lazarus, he looked around at the people and it said, Jesus wept. But if you look real carefully at the translation of John eleven thirty five, he wasn't weeping in sorrow, he was weeping in anger. He was so angry, he was in tears. Jesus looked around at the suffering Jesus looked around at the grieving. Jesus looked around at the brokenness of people living in this broken world. And while knowing that he was gonna raise Lazarus, and while knowing that one day he's gonna raise us in a new heaven and a new earth, Jesus wept because of the suffering and the brokenness of this broken world. So why are you angry? Are you angry at injustice? Are you angry at racism? Are you angry at abuse, at addiction? Are you angry at poverty? Are you angry at hung hunger? That's called righteous anger. And I would suggest to you, once you look and ask yourself, why am I angry? Allow your anger then to be a tool to propel you into action. That attitude that says, I can't fix everything, but I know one thing for sure. My anger says, I will do something. So why are you angry? Because it's not always altruistic, is it? Why are you angry? Why are you angry? My wife said one of the most profound things that I've ever heard this week. We were talking about anger. And Corinne said to me, she said, it's funny because there's a lot of sad people out there who manifest as angry people because they've come to realize in their life that anger is an easier emotion to deal with than sadness. See, somewhere along the line, you faced trauma in your childhood suffering in your adolescence, pain and scars in your life, and you've never dealt with them. And what you're doing is you're masking your sadness by being angry, because you understand the counseling that it's gonna to require to deal with your trauma. The fact that you're gonna to have to level with one or two people and say, hey, can you pray for me because I need to be healed from this. You realize that it's gonna be hard and heartbreaking work to deal with your sadness. And so what you've done instead is you become angry. And the problem with that is God can't heal the person that you're pretending to be. So why are you angry? Are you actually sad? If you are, it, it, it's time to do the hard, heartbreaking work of beginning slowly with counseling, with friendship, with prayer, to begin to deal with that. Why are you angry? Is it insecurity? It is for so many of us, right? I was talking to the staff this week about discouragement. Discouragement is so weird in our culture, discouragement. It's like, I was thinking about doing an illustration. Okay, I will. So let's say I'm standing up here and you imagine that I'm singing a song. Not preaching a sermon, but I'm up here and, and, you're, and that I'm, sing, I'm actually singing a song to you. Should I do it? Okay, okay, I will. Okay, I'm gonna do it. So give me a song. Just someone give me a song to sing. Sweet home Alabama. Okay, sweet home Alabama. <clears throat> All right. I don't, mm, yeah, I think I'm gonna do it. Okay, so you ready? Okay, so now you're all gonna imagine me singing sweet home Alabama. Oh, did you think I was, no, read the transcript. I said, 
I wasn't sure whether I was gonna have you imagine me singing that song. Okay, I'm not singing that song in front of you. Okay, so here it is. But imagine that I get up here and I sing Sweet Home Alabama and change the lyrics to Sweet Home Alberta. Okay, so here I am and I sing it. And you come up to me, you ask me to sing it, and you come up to me later and you say, that was horrific. You butchered that song. That was terrible. And I get discouraged, which makes me angry. And then I go around and I look for somebody to tell me what? In our culture, what am I looking for? I find somebody in my anger to tell me what? Who said that? You did a good job, Mike. But I didn't. It was terrible. I mean, it was terrible. I tried my best. But here's the thing. It's not even about that. You know what I really need somebody to tell me? Hey, Mike, it doesn't matter. You're loved. You're adopted by your heavenly father, redeemed by his son, Jesus Christ, empowered, equipped, and loved by the Holy Spirit. You're all right. You're okay. You're okay if you can swing, sing Sweet Home Alabama. You're okay if you can't sing Sweet Home Alabama. It's all right. So why are you angry? Is it insecurity? See, because if it is, maybe for you, it's time to really have a hard look at what's going on. And approach God and say, God, help me to see me the way you see me, that I am loved and I am approved and I am adopted and I am forgiven and I am secure. Why are you angry? Do you see the incredible tool that your anger can be to help understand exactly what is going on in your life? Man, maybe it's just that you're materialistic. You know, nothing wrong with materials, nothing wrong with possessions, nothing wrong with money, but what if you've delved into materialism where all of a sudden that's where your meaning and that's where your hope and that's where your strength and that's where your security comes from, then if somebody messes with that, you get angry. So number one, you ask yourself, why am I angry? So the first question is why, the second question is what? What do I do now? What do I do now? So let's say I'm angry with a person. I need to deal with that person and make it timely and kindly, okay? Make it timely and kindly. So number one, don't let it fester. If you have an issue with somebody that you need to deal with, deal with it, don't let it fester. Because now you're mad at them, right? And they come walking in the room and they say, hey Mike, good morning, and you're seething. You're like, are you kidding me? Don't tell me what kind of morning to have. See, I'm mad at you, right? Don't, how dare you? How dare you walk in here tell me what kind of morning I should have? Shut up. You know, and then one day they're walking out, they say, have a great day. He did it again, he told, and you drill him in the back of the head with your stapler. I don't know why I said that, but what if you did, okay? So think about that. Make it timely. Deal with it. And and, and secondly, be kind. Be kind. One thing that that, that, that all of my most significant relationships in my life have in common, one thing that all of the most significant relationships in my life have in common is that at one time or another, they've been mad at me and we, that's for sure. They've been mad at me and we've worked through it or I've been mad at them and we've worked through it. Anger can be an incredible tool to help us work through deepened relationships. But you gotta be kind, right? 
you got to ask yourself as you go in to talk to that person, is what I'm about to say to this person, is it to hurt them or heal this relationship? Make sure it's about healing the relationship. See, anger can be a tool. It does not have to be a tyrant in your life. If you ask these three questions, number one, why am I angry? Number two, what do I do now? And number three, and I wasn't sure whether to put number three as number one or where to put it, but it's the most important. Number three, how do I do it? Ask God to fill you with his Holy Spirit. You can't pull this off alone. You can't pull this off alone. You need to ask God to fill you with his Holy Spirit. It's absolutely crucial. It says that when the Bible in Galatians 5 says that when we ask God to fill us with his Holy Spirit, he fills us with love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. You need all of that. You need his love, right? Because you look at that person and you're about to say something, you're about to do something, you're about to make a decision that's gonna flush a relationship that has took decades to build because your anger, your, your anger is sitting in the tyrant city of your life. You need the love to look at them and go, whoa, wait a minute. You need patience. Remember I said you gotta ask yourself, why am I angry? Have you ever noticed anger doesn't really want you to ask that question? What does anger say? Now! They gotta, de- they gotta pay right now, but you need the patience. Maybe your parents said to you when you were growing up, count to 10. That's just another way of saying, ask yourself, why am I angry? You need patience and you need self-control. You can't allow anger to be a tyrant in your life to control you, you need self-control. You need to c- control yourself with God's help. So number one, you ask yourself this, why am I angry? Number two, what do I do now? And and number three, how do I pull it off? You ask God to fill you with his Holy Spirit and give you strength and give you control and give you patience that you actually don't possess in your own strength. See, I'm not exactly sure what models of anger you dealt with growing up. Maybe you grew up in a house where you looked at the way that people dealt with anger and you said to yourself, I'll tell you one thing for sure, I'm never, ever, ever gonna be like that. And here's what's crazy. All of a sudden, anger got elevated into the tyrant seat in your life and anger took control and guess who you're starting to look a lot like? That person that you said, I will never, ever be like that. It's time to wrest control of your life back from anger. Why are you angry? What are you going to do about it? And how are you going to pull that off? Ask God to fill you with his Holy Spirit today. And as I close, I just want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to pray for everybody right now. Because I realize when you talk about a topic like anger, it affects everybody. And I wonder there's some people here today and you're thinking, man, I look down at my track record and I see it, I see it, I see it. I see that anger has been a killer and a destroyer in my life. And I don't want it to be that way anymore. 
Well, I want to suggest to you that God doesn't want it to be that way anymore either. And he's not judging you according to what you did in an angry moment in the past. He wants to move you forward into something way better. He wants you to let hope rise in and through your life. And here's how it starts. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, stepped into human history and he lived for you. He died for you so that all your sins, all your anger could be forgiven. And then he rose again so that he could take you to a new life where anger was no longer a tyrant in your life, but a tool. And at the same time, I know there's people here today and it's not so much your anger, it's, it's others. It's, it's the way that other people's anger has affected you and you got scars and you got pain and you got trauma in your life and you want to begin the process of healing. Can I be as bold as to say this? You can't do all of this without God. And so in this moment right now, with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, if you've never invited Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, and today is the day that you want him to uh, be your Savior, be your Lord, fill you with the power of his Holy Spirit, can you just raise your hand right now because I want to pray for you right this second. Nice and high if you don't mind. That's awesome. You can put your hand down. I'm gonna pray for the person that raised their hand, but I also wanna pray for everybody else. So God, I'll come before you first of all. And I just pray that, I guess I pray, pray a prayer of gratitude, God, that you're not angry with me, that you love me fully and completely. And that you sent your son to forgive my sins to heal my hurts. And so Jesus, right now, I invite you to be my savior. And I also acknowledge you as my Lord. I pray that you would give me the ability from this day forward to step forward to live a life of power and victory. And for every single person here today, God, I pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control that anger would be a tool in our life, not a tyrant, that we would see let hope rise in us, yes, and also through us. I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate Southside Church? Is that okay? Now, if you're somebody who just raised your hand and prayed that prayer for the first time, I just want you to do one thing for you. Please just take a second and text the keyword LIFE, L-I-F-E, to 604-670-3040. We don't want to stalk you, but we do want to support you. And lastly, if you're not serving at Southside right now and you don't want to, I get it. But if you're thinking, man, I, I, I want to step up and I want to serve, the ministry leaders are going to hang out here for a second, Dave's going to dance, and uh, other than that, I love you guys, and we'll see you next week. Love you guys. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.